it's so good uh, to be here. It's good to be back. Good to see you guys. You guys are looking great. You're looking alive and thriving. I got to see everybody's face. Yay. Well, it's such an honor to be here. Um, your church has been instrumental in our lives. And uh, Bob and Sue, we were really kind of networkless in the ministry, like really praying for the Lord to connect us to the right people. And that's when we found MFI. And really, Bob and Sue made a way for us to meet people because I've learned in this journey of life that uh, it's really who you're gonna do life with matters a lot more than what you're doing. And um, they just made, you guys made your friends our friends and started just making, hey, you gotta meet these people, you're gonna love them. You gotta meet these people, you're gonna love them. You gotta meet these people, you're gonna love them. And it's true. Every, I think some, all of our best friends, by the way, came out of here, I feel like. And so that makes us like relatives. We've been trying to get a part of this family for years. And uh, my newest scheme is that my son is dating the Moltz daughter, the Moltz who are sent out from here. It was prearranged because I was like, I got to get a part of this family somehow. They're not married or engaged, but we're like hoping that somehow this makes us family. Anyway, thank you guys for uh, just opening your home and raising up incredible leaders. Honestly, uh, we were just at a conference a couple weeks ago and I met someone named Simon church planner in Texas. And I was standing by him and I'm like, I kind of, I like this guy. I like him. And then I'm like, oh, you came out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Family. That's why. Cause we're connected. We're family. So anyway, we've been pastoring for our church is 25 years this April. And, um, we've been lead pastors for 21. And I was like five when we started, if you're wondering how old I am, don't do the math because you don't want to know. But anyway, so we, you know, ups and downs of church life and journeying and, um, it's an honor and a privilege to answer the call of God. How many of you know have been serving the Lord longer than five years? It's a journey, right? Journey of ups and downs. And so this morning, um, I just want to come. And the, the word I felt in my heart, I really was seeking the Lord. What do you want to say to this church? And my heart this weekend is that I come alongside of you and strengthen you. I hope you leave this weekend with just an infusion of the Lord. Um, I just want to be a cheerleader. I want to come along and just encourage you and strengthen you. And places that are discouraged or dry, I'm praying that God refreshes you and that he has a word of the Lord for you. And so I want to talk to you uh, this morning on a message called flourishing in every season because life has seasons, right? <laughs> and I want to flourish. And I know that's your heart too. My heart has been, God, I want to flourish. And how many of you, we've been through the last few years. I'm like, Lord, I don't want to be taken out. I don't want to be set off guard, but I want to flourish. No matter what life throws at me, I want to be alive. I want to bring your presence in your life and your strength to the people around me because God has called us and put us in a world that is dry and hungry and needing the presence of Jesus. And so as Christ followers, our job, right, is to bring the presence of God and to have something to give those that are around us. And so I want to talk to us about flourishing in every season. Now, my kids have all left, are leaving home. How many of you are empty nesters in the room? How many of you are enjoying the empty nester life? If your kids are here, don't show them, but it's like code. I told Bob, uh, so our oldest son just moved to Birmingham, Alabama in January. He's going to college there. Our youngest son is here in PBC, so I got to see him last night and he'll be here tonight. Um, and our daughter's still kind of home, but um, I saw these pictures the other day and I wanted, I told Bob, we're going to do some photo shoots. <laughs> How many of you love this? Like this is instead of the zero, we're expecting zero next fall. He's just roll through them. And then they're like, so sad. Just kidding. And then they're like, Woo, confetti, no more kids. Right? I'm like, I don't know what to do with our life. Our life was like the hub of all young adults. And so this last two or three weeks, Bob and I come home at seven and we're like, well, is it against the rules to go to bed right now? <laughs> so like, anyway, it's not against the rules. Apparently some of you can school me in the rules, but I'm like, we should be leading like 10 life groups because we have a life now that we need to get back. So anyway, um, so that's kind of the season we're in, but I want to talk to you about flourishing. I want to read out of Psalm 92. It says this, the righteous shall, say it with me, flourish. All right, tell your neighbor, you are flourishing. You are looking great. I don't know if guys like to flourish. Is that a girly word? Guys, are you feeling the flourish? Say it like a man. You are flourishing. You are really flourishing. I like the, 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 like a palm tree. That's masculine, right? Flourishing like a palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord will flourish 
in the courts of their God. They shall still bear fruit, amen, when you're in empty nesters in old age. It may not look like babies. Some of you are like, it's grandbabies, right? But they will bear fruit in old age. They will be fresh and flourishing. Amen, right? Well, I looked up the definition of flourishing. What do you think about when you think about someone who's flourishing? I'm like, to me, when I think about someone who's flourishing, they're alive, they're vibrant, they're something about them that I want to be around you. Like, I don't know what you have going on there, but you are flourishing. And I really believe that that's what God wants for us, his church, that whatever season we go through, because there are seasons, right? And some seasons are really exciting and some seasons are horrible. (laughs) But in every season, it's my heart. God, I wanna grab a hold of you and I wanna flourish through this season, whether it's a hard time, whether it's a great time, but I wanna have the presence of God in my life. And I believe that that's what God is calling the church to in this hour. More than ever, there's darkness prevailing the earth. More than ever, the people that we go to the store with and go to work with and go to school with are hungry and desiring something, right? And guess what, guys? We have the answer. We have the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. And I believe that God wants to help us this morning flourish in whatever season we're in. So here's the definition of flourishing. To grow How many of you like growing? It is painful sometimes, right? To grow or develop in a healthy or vigorous way, I like that, especially as the result of a particularly favorable environment, right? You wanna flourish, right? Everybody in the room, we wanna flourish. We all want this. I'm praying this for us as an individual. I pray this for our church. I'm like, God, I want our church to flourish, right? COVID threw our church life all upside down. God, I don't wanna die. I don't want our church to die in COVID, but the church should be rising up. What that takes is me posturing myself in a different place. I gotta grab a hold of Jesus, right? In a different way than I did before because I want our church to flourish. I want our life to flourish. I want our family to flourish. And how many of you know it's taken some shifting and changing, right? If you just kept doing what you were doing yesterday, We can find ourselves not flourishing, right? So Holy Spirit, we ask this morning that you would come, that you'd speak to us, God, that you would uh, till the soil of our hearts this morning, that you'd be the loudest voice in the room, Holy Spirit, that even as I'm speaking, you would be the loudest voice. You would speak, God, you would speak to every heart here. God, you're aware of every situation we're sitting here this morning in. And I just pray for the hope and the life and the strength and the grace and the power of Jesus to come and to show up here as we gather this morning. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. 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 Hey, before I get totally into this, is there anybody who has pain in their back and right in their left hip? I just want to pray. Okay. Awesome. Okay. Just keep your hand raised right there. If you're sitting right around, anybody else? Keep your hand raised. Okay. Let's let's just pray healing for for these three. God, I thank you right now. for the healing power of Jesus, God, that you would even bring that up because you care even right now about these these physical bodies, God, that sometimes keep us from flourishing just because of our our need for your healing power. And so, God, we just release the healing power over, over your son and your daughters right now. God, we thank you that this back, this hip is restored and healed. God, we declare healing and power and strength. God, that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is here in our midst this morning. So, God, we just release that over them in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. All right. I forgot to do that. I want to be obedient. Okay. So we're going to talk about how to flourish. And I want to do this out of Mark chapter four, right? This is a parable, a story that we've all heard before. So before you tune me out and you're like, oh yeah, yeah. I taught that in Sunday school. I wrote a book on this. Um, Well, here we go. We're doing this story again, right? If you've been in church long enough, you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. How's she going to do that? Okay. So this is what makes it different. Okay. Guess what guys? I am a farmer's daughter. It's true. Fifth generation on both sides. So we're going to like get this from a whole new perspective, okay? You're like, no. Okay, so just in case you didn't believe me, I wanted to show you some pictures of some family. Okay, so this is my grandpa Harris right here. And this is my grandpa John. So this is my dad's dad and his dad. And just for fun, I brought my cousin. My cousin's here, Sydney. So this is her grandpa too. Grandpa Harris is both our grandpas, okay? So they are wheat farmers. They moved from North Carolina. Our grandpa Harris moved from North Carolina and started wheat farming in the Walla Walla Valley, if you didn't know that. It's very exciting. Okay, I think you can keep going. There's Grandpa Harris. Does he look like a farmer? I almost wore my overalls for you this morning because, um, yeah, my dad still to this day wears overalls every day, all the time. It's so great. Okay, this is so fun. This is actually my grandpa on the other side. Look at this. Have we come a long ways, right? 
what, there's a little teeny white dot over there, kind of, can you see it on the edge? That's actually my grandma in a little white dress. This is her dad out there. It's, it's kind of cool. Okay, keep going. This, okay, my dad was, this is the very first self-propelled combine. The very first, one of the very first ones. My dad was a little boy and he was telling me they actually brought it out to the field with like covered it all up because they didn't want anybody to know. And they were just like trying it out in this field. And so anyway, before that they had just had horses and mules and then they had tractors, but this is the first self-propelled combine. So our land is really hilly and they said they dumped, they dumped it like two or three times in a day. And so this was called a 45. Any of you who want to know this, you can practice your skills. And then he said they put this leveling device on it so that it could do hillside combine harvesting. And my grandpa was really instrumental in that and pu putting those in combines. So are you guys, this is exciting. How often in the city do you get to hear about this life, right? So we can just close and have church right there. Okay, this is my brother um, harvesting wheat. I think that's it. Oh, no, one more, one more, one more. And then this right here is ground after it's been tilled. It's getting prepared for the seed to be placed in that. And that's really what I want us to talk about today is tilling the ground of our heart for God's word to produce fruit in us, our lives so that we'll flourish. So as a farmer's daughter, <laughs> I'm bringing that to you today, all right? So, all right, we're gonna read out of Mark 4 and I'm gonna read to you out of the message. It says, a farmer planted seed and as he scattered the seed, some of it fell on the road and the birds ate it. Some fell on the gravel. It sprouted quickly, but didn't put roots down. So when the sun came up, it withered just as quickly. Some fell in the weeds. And as it came up, it was strangled among the weeds and nothing came of it. But some seed fell on good earth and came up with a, read it, flourish. Do you love that, right? Producing a harvest exceeding his wildest dreams. And I love another translation says, it grew and increased. And so what I want us to do, sometimes, I don't know, I've heard this story so many times and read it so much. If you're like me, I'm reading this story and I'm thinking, yeah, that's so-and-so. And I'm like thinking about all the people. Oh, mm -hmm, they're the first one. Mm -hmm, they're the second one. And I am the fourth one with the great soil. And, but I want us today to come before God and say, Lord, this message is about the soil of our heart. This message is about the seed ground that we have a part in playing in. And God, we want your word, right? We know the word of God, what? Never fails. Like whatever God sent, right? In Isaiah, it says, my word will will go forth from my mouth, will accomplish. It won't return to me empty. We know that the word is good, right? The seed is good. But what makes the difference from a seed being planted and flourishing and a seed possibly dying or being scraggly, right? So the difference between my cousin and I is her grandpa and her dad and her brother, they farm at the base of the mountains. Do you know what that means? A lot of water. So my dad farms out further from the mountains and he's a dryland wheat farmer. That means you have to pray and trust God when you're gonna get that seed in the ground because you're not guaranteed sprinkler system or you're not guaranteed water. So the difference in yield, my dad was saying that our fields will get about 44 bushels an acre where her dad's field is gonna get about 144. Same seed, but it's planted in different soil. It has different circumstances, different surroundings, and it's producing different results, right? Um, a friend of ours moved to South Africa and he took his basil plant. And he said when he planted this little teeny basil plant that he had in his window in the soil in South Africa, it became this huge, massive bush. And I thought, isn't that like our lives, right? The seed is the same. The seed is the word of God. We know it's infallible. We know it doesn't fail. We know that the seed is gonna come back to us, right? But what is different is the soil. What is different is what it's planted in. And that is the part I believe that we have a responsibility to partner with heaven about, right? We can change that. So I wanna to talk to us about the four types of soil and we're gonna look at those and we're gonna say, not for anybody else, but for us, right? For us and our family. And we're gonna ask the Holy Spirit to speak to us today. So how do we flourish and stay in step with Jesus? Proverbs 4 says this, keep your heart with all vigilance for from it flow the springs of life. And throughout life, this is what I've, my like go-to message is most of the time, my fight has to be for my heart, not necessarily the situation that I'm in. Because what happens is we go through disappointment, we go through hard things, we go through things. And if we're just fighting those, but not fighting that our heart stays pure and pliable, right? Then we get off. And so through my life, I've realized actually the real fight for me, what I want to stay vigilant is, 
is God, I wanna guard my heart. I wanna be with you all the days of my life. I wanna move when you're moving. I don't wanna be sitting on the sidelines because my heart didn't stay in the journey, right? And that has been, I'll tell you what, I, going through the storms, are okay. Keeping my heart alive in the storms, that's been the war. That's been the battle. And so that's what I want to talk to us about today. So Jesus, he reads the scripture and then he pulls him aside. I love this. Like Jesus doesn't leave us like, what? What were you talking about? And he begins to explain it, right? So he says this, cultivate the soil of our heart is this. The farmer, he plants the word and some people are like the seed that falls on hardened soil of the road. No sooner do they hear the word, then Satan snatches it away, what has been planted in them. So one of the ways we flourish is by keeping our heart pliable, right? Keeping our heart tender and soft. And what I was thinking, what, what, what causes us to have a hard heart? Often disappointment. I think in my own life, I, I kind of dreamed that life was going to be a certain way. And then how many of you have lived more than five years? Like, the dream you're thinking maybe doesn't turn out. And if we're not careful, our heart gets disappointed or our heart gets bitter or our heart gets offended. And if we don't realize it, like we got offended. And I, I pastored long enough. I've watched this happen too. People are thriving. They're in the heart of what God's doing. And the enemy doesn't come and lead them back into a life maybe of drugs and alcohol, or, but he comes and allows them to be hurt. He allows someone really close to them, possibly a leader or someone to wound them. And and church, this happens to all of us. A spouse wounds us, right? A child wounds us. Our best friend wounds us. And this is where we choose, are we going to flourish? Are we going to come out strong? Are we going to, what, what's our tendency in these times? We like pull back. We start guarding our heart. No one's going to hurt me like that again. And we start making commitments. And we start, what happens when we do this? We start pretending and we start opening a door to a religious spirit, right? Because we're like, all of a sudden we're coming to church and the person who hurt our feelings is sitting right beside us. And so we're like, glory to God, glory to God. But our heart, right, our heart has something hard in it. And so if we're going to keep ourselves flourishing, we want to keep our heart before God and saying, God, mold me, keep my heart pliable. When we come into the presence of God, only the Holy Spirit can do that, right? We're asking the Holy Spirit, would you make my heart pliable, God? Would you cause me to be soft and tender in your presence? And what that requires for me is like cultivating intimacy with the Holy Spirit. And when you serve the Lord long enough, it's easy to kind of go through the motions. Like we can go through church. We're like, amen, that was so great. But putting ourselves, I ask myself, when is the last time you cried? When was the last time you felt, you know, the tenderness of the Holy Spirit in my life? And it's a good check for me. It's not that I'm going to pretend or try to do those things, but it's a good test for me. Like, God, when was the last time I felt the tenderness of your Holy Spirit? When was the last time I was able to sense that from you? And then that brings me back to that place with the Lord. And I love this about the Holy Spirit. Jesus, like we think about the Israelites, right? They're like, they're in Egypt and all of a sudden everything changes, right? And they had to shift with the Lord, right? They're led now by a cloud. They're led by fire. Everything in their life is mobile. Like they're setting up life every single day. So when we shift with the Lord, I think this is often where we can get hard. Like we're in one season, right? And we're like, okay, we're, we're killing it. We're, we got this thing down and then something happens in our life and we shift. And if we don't shift well in the season, then we can find our, we can find like a hardened soil in our heart. We're not pliable. We're not staying with what God's doing, right? And how, where's that? Can you want to show the meme of like the Holy Spirit is planned for your life? Sorry, like sometimes it feels like this, right? The Lord's like, I have a plan for your life. And you're like, ah! right? How many of you feel like that with the Lord sometimes, right? <laughs> Let me just say this. This is great because it keeps our heart pliable. We're like, I need you. You know, as soon as I feel like I've got it all together, I feel like God challenges me. And I love that. And I hate it at the same time. Can I be real? Like, I love that God is always growing me. I love that God's challenging me. I, I try to do it to myself. I want to put myself in a position where I grow, where I become changed, right? But I also hate it. I'm like, can I ever just take a break? Can I ever just stop growing? It's like, no, you can't. It's great. Okay. So how do we recognize when our heart is tender? I, it's, what, it's the fruits of the Spirit. Like, is there joy in my life? Is there peace in my life? Is there in all the fruits of the spirit. And again, this is not like we're going to, okay, well, I got to be joyful now. You know, I got to, I got to live the fruits of the spirit. Like we're not trying to produce fruit, but we're saying, okay, the seed is good. <laughs> the seed is in there. Lord help. Like it, it's like an assessment. We're like, okay, wait a minute. What's going on in my life that your seed is not able to flourish right now? Is there, are there hard parts of my life? Right. And 
we know what Hebrews says this, exhort one another daily, as long as it is called today, that none of you would be hardened by sin, right? So sin hardens our heart. We're doing something, we have something in our life that we don't wanna get rid of, right? And we don't realize we're just all of a sudden losing our edge. We're losing that flourishing place. And so here's the next part of the scripture. It says this, some of that seed that lands on the gravel, when they first hear the word, they respond with great enthusiasm, but there is such shallow soil of character I love the, reading this in the message, right? That when the emotion wears off and some difficulty arrives, there's nothing to show for it. So the first thing we wanna do to flourish, right, is to keep our hearts pliable. The second thing we wanna do is to help, have the Lord help us keep our heart pure, right? We want that integrity, we want that character. It, it, what the world is looking for right now is not just Holy Ghost goosebumps. They're looking for the church that has some integrity. They're looking for someone who says what they mean, who does what they say, who's living a life. I was just talking to my son uh, last night and he was, they, he's been working at Dutch Bros and he said, mom, it's so cool. Some of the PBC students, I've been working there. And he said, our coworkers are drawn to who we are, like what's happening behind the scenes, watching him make coffee and not get angry and not get mad at a customer. And that's what the world's longing for, right? They're not just longing for us to hear a really cool story about God, but they're looking for the strength and the roots and the integrity of a life, right? So that they're, they're like, okay, this is someone who's doing what the word of God says, right? And, and I love this, our roots, <laughs> I love this and hate it, right? Our roots go deep when? When it's difficult right? Like the soil without water, the roots have to go deeper to find this. I found this out at my house. I had a tree guy come and he's like, Carol, the roots of your trees are all at the edge of your lawn because your sprinkler system is causing them to stay at the top of the, of the grass. And he said, these trees are not going to do well in a windstorm. Cause I, every time the wind blew, I was losing a tree. And I'm like, what is the problem? And he said, you're actually watering too much. Cause when this tree has faces some drought, the roots actually go down and it makes it stronger. And so I think just how do we stay pure is we we're allowing the Holy spirit, right. To let, to let difficult times actually cause us to grow stronger <laughs> and not get bitter. Right. Okay. Lord, I don't know why this is happening. I don't understand, but I'm gonna believe that you're gonna allow my roots to go deep. I'm gonna believe that I'm gonna grab a hold of something in your presence in this season that you're gonna use on the other side. I have to believe that your word is good. I have to believe that it's good in the soil of my life and seasons of difficulty are actually gonna cause fruit, right? We wanna have something, if the fruit comes and we have no roots, what's gonna happen? The, we're just gonna wither, right? But we wanna be able, in my life, I'm like, God, I want deep roots I wanna sustain what you wanna put in my life so that thousands and thousands of people can know about your goodness, that, that the fruit of my life is able to, I'm able to hold the things that you wanna do through there. I wanna grow as a leader. I wanna grow as a mom. I wanna grow as a wife. I wanna grow in this area so that whatever you wanna do in my life, I'm able to handle it. I'm able to find strength in you. I'm able to grow. I wanna cause myself to allow the Holy Spirit to work in my life. And I wanna keep my heart pure, right? So this is the, this is the war. First Peter says this, beloved, don't be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you. These are your, how many of you have this put on your mirror? <laughs> We're like, yes, this is my life verse. <laughs> Don't be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. Romans says this, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials for we know that they help us develop endurance, right? How many of you want to make it to the end? Yes. How many of you want the trials that come with that? No, right? We're like, I just want to lay, someone lay hands on me. I want to make it to the end, right? But even, yeah, anyway. All right. Hebrews 12 says this, for the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. All right. So when life poops on you, you're like, hey, this is really great fertilizer. And so we just start, oh, stir it in. Bring it on. It's like, I'm just stirring it in. It's fine. Like, how many of you ever been pooped on by a bird when you're on a walk? Like, what? But manure makes great fertilizer in the soil of our life. So, so I'm like, hey, what are we going to do? I'm not choosing this life, but I'm going to take this and I'm going to allow the poop in my life to get into the soil of my heart and create fertilizer so that the word that's in there is gonna come forth with 
greenery and fruit and vitality and strength and flourish. I'm going to flourish, right? So we're going to allow that to happen in our lives. Character is developed in the hidden and secret parts of our own life. And this is something in my life. I'm like, I'm, I'm, tell, I'm telling our church at home, bring back the word conviction. I'm like, when is the last time I was around someone and they're like, you know, I'm just really convicted about this. I was like, it's something that's missing in the church today, but the church to stay healthy and vital and flourishing, we have to be talking and we should be, if we have a vital relationship with the Lord, I promise, well, if you're human, if you're alive and you're like me, 10 times a day, I'm like, oops, oops, right? And how do I grow when I have to allow the Holy Spirit to convict me and then I have to actually say to the person I was talking to, will you please forgive me? I shouldn't have said that. This happened to me this week. I'd said something to one of our staff team members and I'm like, oh, as soon as I left, I started feeling anxiety, just a little bit of uncomfortableness. And I was like, yeah, because you probably shouldn't have said that. And it's like, I had to pick up the phone and I had to say, you know what? Will you please forgive me for what I just said? It, it just was, it was just probably, you didn't need to know that information. And it's like, as soon as I did, I had peace. So it's like bringing back conviction, bringing back the Holy Spirit. And I think, who do we want to, who do we want to hang around with? Second um, Timothy says this, enjoy companionship with those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. And so I think, how do we keep our heart pure? Hanging around with people who talk about conviction, hanging around with people. My favorite thing is to be around someone who's like, oh, I was reading my Bible today and I saw this and, and they're like telling you how God changed them or corrected them or God challenged them. I'm like, yes, I want to be around someone like that because what does the Bible say? It stirs me, right? It stirs me to be that way too. If you're around someone who's perfect all the time and they just have it all together, you're like, great. Well, then we start hiding, right? Because we're like, well, I got I to gotta pretend that I look like everybody else around here, right? So even as a, as a church, one of our core values is authenticity. It's like, because we know if we talk about what God's doing in our heart, it creates a healthy atmosphere because we're all struggling with different things. And so we want to create an atmosphere where people are like, it's normal to talk about the things that are in our life. It's normal to not hide sin. It's normal to talk about the struggle. We're going to stand together. We're not going to judge you, but it's normal to have that kind of culture created. And then I love it because we're like telling my story. We want to tell a story on ourselves because it creates a space where the Holy Spirit can bring conviction to other people's lives as well. Right? Amen. All right. Say, I'm flourishing. Right? I'm flourishing, right? One of, the, one of the things in that area is I'm going to choose to not have secrets. If we're going to stay healthy as individuals, healthy as churches, healthy as families, there's no secrets. It, what does that look like for our marriage? It looks like I have find my friends on my phone. It's kind of ruined our communication because now Bob doesn't text me and say, where are you? He's like, oh, I see you're at Safeway. You know, I'm like, yes, I am. I am. But you know what it is? It's safeguarding our life. It's saying like, I'm going to know where you are all the time. You're going to know where I am all the time. It's, it's creating that safe environment where there aren't secrets. So I'm, I'll get really practical. Like I go shopping and I just want to take the bag right to the closet and put it in there and act like I've had it for a long time. <laughs> Any ladies in the house, guys? All right, you're like, kind of like, oh, I'm going to wait till the, you know, Bob's out in the yard and I'm like sneaking into the closet, right? But it's like little things like that, Lord, why am I hiding this? Like, why do I not want to tell him? Why, what does it matter? So forcing myself to say, hey, look what I bought today. Because I don't want anything in my heart that is hidden. Because those little hidden places, it's like we don't open our door to like massive sin and get taken out. It's just the little teeny things. It's like, you know what? They don't really need to know. He doesn't really care. And then I start justifying. He spends a lot of money on hunting stuff. Like, you know, or whatever it is. And it's not even the money, but it's like, what is it in my own heart that wants to keep this a secret. And so it's like, okay, I'm going to be intentional. This is how, this is my intentionality, right? The word is good. The seed is in there. I'm going to make sure God, oh, little teeny weed there. I want to not let that grow and fester because if we let those things stay there, then we find, I mean, no one goes out and has an affair overnight. They're like, hey, I'm just going to wreck my marriage and my family, right? But you start flirting at the office. You start texting someone or Facebooking someone or I don't, Insta, I don't know, Instagram DMing. How many young, okay, you're like, you're so out of it. I don't know how to do it. But what happens is, right, we just start doing something that we don't want to tell someone about. So it's like, okay, I have to make an intentional choice whenever I'm thinking of doing something where no one knows about. That's probably the conviction of the Holy Spirit. He's probably like, why don't you just go ahead and talk about it? If, you're, if it's not a problem, then it shouldn't be a problem to tell somebody. So just creating a culture where it's like, you know what, I just, someone just needs to know this, okay? And I love that when we're in church together because we're like, hey, now it's normal. 
Like, so, so you're going to walk up to someone today and be like, just, I just want someone to know about this thing in my life. Will you pray for me? Will you know? You don't have to do anything about it, but I just don't want it to be a secret. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right. Do the people closest to us respect us the most? And this is something in my life. I don't want to make it to the end and be like, wow, you did these things. I want to make it to the end and have my kids say, I want to model my life after my mom and dad. I want my husband to be the person who loves and respects me the most. I want the people, our staff, the closest people to us to know that, man, you, what you, who you are is who you are. And the stage, who you are is who you are when you're cranky and, you know, doing the laundry. Like, what's coming out of me, you know? And those moments. So it's like this to me, these are the real issues in life, like, God, I, I want to live pure. I, wanna, I want to keep my heart tender and I want it to be pure before you. Because the Bible says what? Blessed are the pure in heart, right? They're going to see God. God, I want to see you in the little things. I don't want to get cynical. And if you've lived in church world or you've done life long enough, we can get cynical, right? We can just be like, yeah, well, must be nice. Or, you know, sure, that'd be great, wouldn't it? It's like, okay, God, I don't want cynicism in my life. And I want people in my life who know that, who are like, hey, Kara, your response to that seemed a little cynical you know, thank you. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. And I want to be able to bring that place. Okay, God, what is it? Why am I cynical? Why am I doubting you? Why am I disappointed in this area? And allowing the Holy Spirit, right, to cultivate, like cultivate the heart and make it tender to you, right? All right. The Bible says this, Hebrews 4, for the word of God is alive and powerful. Are you so thankful for the word of God? It is the sharpest two-edged sword cutting between the soul and the spirit between joint and marrow, and it exposes our innermost thoughts. So when we're reading the Bible, this is something really practical that I've tried to implement in my own life. Just journaling. Holy Spirit, what are you saying? Because I am like a task girl, and I'm on a Bible reading plan, and I'm like, check, 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 boom, nailed today's Bible reading. Like, you know, or I'm like, sat in, sat in the sermon, I took great notes, point three points, and you know, and I'm like, wow, service was so awesome. Wasn't that great? But I'm not allowing the Holy Spirit, like, what are you saying to me? Like, what are you convicting me about? So I get out my journal every day. I'm like, okay, I'm going to read the Bible and your word says it's powerful. I'm going to expect it to cut me, right? I'm going to expect it to change me. We should read our Bible and come away challenged. So this is a great cultural question. What is God, this is, this, I ask, I disciple a girls group, one of my questions every month, what is God speaking to you about? What is he stretching you in? What is he saying to you that's making you uncomfortable? Because then I know if, if, I don't care what it is, I just know if it's happening, they're growing. I know they're flourishing. I know they're thriving. I know that God's doing something in their life. If he's not speaking and we're not, there's not something going on, it's just an indicator light that, okay, maybe I want to go, maybe I need to ask the Holy Spirit, what, is there, is my heart pliable? Is my heart pure? Is there something you want to cultivate in my life? All right. So Psalm 51.10, create in me a clean heart, oh God, and renew a loyal spirit in me. I was just reading in our Bible reading, um, this, this week about, about King Herod. And when you read this, he was so intrigued by John the Baptist, right? John the Baptist is preaching and Herod is like, oh, he's like, he's giving him special favor. And, and even though he's like calling him out, he just wants to be close to him, right? And I think how often can this be the case in the world? Can it be the case even in the church where we have a longing for the presence of God? We sit in a service like this and we're putting ourselves there week after week after week. But what Herod didn't want is to change his life because John was saying what you're doing with that woman is actually adultery and it's not right. So here he is, he's longing for the presence of God. He's sitting there, but he's not allowing the word of God to change him, right? He's not allowing it to change his actions and how he's living and what he's doing. I'm like, ah, isn't that the truth, right? So authenticity in our lives brings healing and health. And we wanna make sure, for me, it's like that is my, as soon as I feel like I have to be something or pretend something, it's a sign to me, uh-oh, like, come back and allow the Lord to do something in your heart, right? Amen. All right. So then, do we like who we're becoming? That's kind of my ending question on that, that purity. Do I like who I'm becoming? And here's the good news. If you're like, no. <laughs> How many of you have ever been in that place? I remember being a mom of little kids, and I'm like, I don't like who I'm becoming. I'm crankier, and I'm angry, and I'm frustrated. The, the beautiful thing is we don't have to stay where we are. If we don't like who we're becoming, we're like, hey. This is my own life. <laughs> I can come before God and we can live a different life, right? All right, tell your neighbor they look like they are flourishing. You're flourishing. You are so filled with the presence of God. I am so glad I get to do life with you. <laughs> I 
All right, so what was the first thing? We want to cultivate the soil of our lives. See how well, this is a test right now. Because I said, if you come to church and you're just like, that was great. You got to remember, you got to take the notes. Okay, first thing? Pliable. We want to keep our heart. What's the second thing we want to do? Pure. Keep our heart pure. Okay, and the last thing is this, in um, verse 18, the seed cast in the weeds represents the one who hears the kingdom news but are overwhelmed with worries about the things they have to do and the things they need to get. The stress, oh gosh, right? Strangles what they heard and nothing comes out of it. So the third one is peaceful. We want to have our heart pliable. We want to have it pure and we want to have it peaceful. And I was listening to a pastor this year and he said, it used to be that 30 to 40% of the population struggled with mental illness, depression, anxiety. He said in the last few years, I can't remember what he said, there's between 70 to 80% of the population is struggling with anxiety and depression at, at epidemic levels. And I think as the church, nothing, the seed is still good. <laughs> We're still made in the image of God, but what are the things that are changing that all of us are struggling with anxiety. All of us are struggling with these things maybe at a level that we haven't before. And I, it's my conviction that the church is to be the answer to this. It's one of my favorite things is when people share testimonies of coming in and sitting in the presence of God and saying, I was so anxious, I couldn't, I couldn't even come in here. And just feeling the presence of God and coming out and watching minds be healed, watching hearts be restored. It, it's the best thing in all the world. And I remember for me personally being at our, one of our youth conferences about five years ago. And it was one of the first nights and someone had preached a message and they said, will you raise, raise, raise your hand or stand up if you've battled suicide in the last six months? And I'm, you know, in the back room and I'm thinking probably, you know, a few kids are going to stand up and praise God, we're going to minister to them. And I sat in the back and I opened my eyes and it was like 70% of the room was standing. And something happened on the inside of me that I can't describe. And it has marked me. And I'm giving my life to that. But I was like, God, not on our watch. Like, how can the next generation, we can't lose the next generation to depression. We can't lose the next generation to this. So I don't know what my part is, but I'm going to, I'm going to grab a hold of you and I'm going to try to find out what this is. And I'm going to tell a generation that they don't, that God wants to heal, that God wants to deliver, that the Prince of Peace the one whose name is Prince of Peace wants to rule their heart and rule their mind. And the biblical definition of peace is that word shalom, right? And I love this. Like they, they would just greet each other. We need to just bring this back. Can we not bring this back? Like peace, right? I mean, peace. Just like you can do this because what anxiety and stress are taking over all of us. I've had more stress and anxiety. My husband's had more stress and anxiety than we've ever had our whole lives. I'm on a war against that. I'm like, God, this I know keeps me from flourishing. This happened to me just even this last week. We had a conference coming. I'm getting ready. I'm hearing the Lord. I'm like, we're going in. And all of a sudden, my husband started having these crazy physical symptoms. All of a sudden, we're going to go into the ER. All of a sudden, he in my mind, he's dead. And our children are, you know, just like all these things, right? Because fear, and I knew I could feel it. This is fear. I knew it was a spirit of fear, and you start to recognize it. This is a spirit of fear. This is not just the practical things. And I'm trying to make a choice in the middle. Am I, am I going to bow to this spirit of fear, or am I going to actually try to get my spirit on top of this and deal with what's practical, but not be ruled by a spirit of fear? Because fear makes me do crazy things. Fear makes me wig out and respond in ways that are not who I really am, right? Anybody in the room that none of you guys have had fear? Have and that, that night we went to bed and Bob goes to sleep like a baby and starts sleeping peacefully. And I've, I honestly felt the spirit of fear in our room like I've never experienced before. And what does it do? It's like paralyzes you. You feel like you can't get up. I knew to pray. I knew to speak, but I couldn't. And so I'm like texting, texting a friend, pray for us. Putting on like, I speak Jesus. God, I speak Jesus. And as soon as I just started playing that, that song, I speak Jesus over fear and anxiety. It's like I could feel it lift. And you know what's crazy? As soon as that spirit lifted, everything was fine. You know what I'm saying? Like sometimes when we think we're not, it's not fine, it's not just us. Sometimes you're battling a spirit of fear and when that thing is gone, you actually can think clearly and straight. Bob wakes up, he's like, actually I have no symptoms. And I knew, you know how you know? You're like, as soon as it was gone, I'm like, everything's fine. 
So shalom, the definition is actually to be complete or whole or to live well. Is that flourishing, right? To be complete and whole. It doesn't mean that our heart isn't broken, but we're gonna allow the healer to cause us to be whole. And our brokenness is the place where the presence and the power of God permeates our life. When we were singing that song today, day and night, like let incense arise. And I was thinking, isn't this what we're talking about? In the night and in the day, let incense, like let my heart be found in your presence. Let my brokenness be found at your feet. Where we're like day and night, God, day and night, let the incense of my life be rising up to you. I don't wanna be hard. God, I don't wanna be unpliable. I don't wanna have things in my heart that keep me from entering your presence. And you know, sin does that. It's not that God can't handle our sin. It's that sin keeps us from wanting to come into God's presence, right? And this is what, I'm gonna just read a couple scriptures over us. This, this biblical definition of shalom, it means this, wholeness in life and body, relational harmony, prosperity, and victory over one's enemies. John 14 says this, I am leaving you with a gift. This is what the word of God says. This is true. This is more true than my feelings. This is more true than my situation. This is more true than my circumstances. This is one that you do put on your refrigerator and on your mirror and on your glasses on the inside, right? I am leaving you. God, you gave me a gift of peace of mind and peace of heart. And the peace I give is a gift that the world cannot give. We cannot find peace in the world's methods. We cannot find peace by looking on the outside. But the Bible tells us, right? This, I'm giving you this, so don't be troubled or afraid. Do I, sometimes that makes me, what do you mean, don't be? Don't be, okay. But I am. <laughs> Romans 14 says this, the kingdom of God is this, righteousness, peace, and joy. God, this is our portion, right? Isaiah 9, 6, this is what it says about Jesus, right? For unto us a child is born, a son is given, the government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called. Wonderful, counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. God, I thank you that you are the prince of peace. God, I thank you that your word says that your peace will rule my heart and my mind. And God, I repent right now for allowing fear to come in and steal my joy, steal my thoughts, steal my focus. But God, I choose to choose to believe your word your word becomes more real than what I feel. Your word becomes more real than what I see, right? So what we focus on grows in our life. Let the peace of God, Colossians 3 says this, rule. Oh, I love that. Let the peace of Christ rule. And rule is like a gavel coming down, right? Peace, rule. You know, it's like when anxiety starts to stir up, no peace is gonna rule in my life. And, and, and be thankful. And I think in my life, it's like this. Anxiety is a, is a real thing. I'm definitely not trying to say if, if you're struggling with anxiety or depression that you're not living in the will of God. We're all, we're all figuring it out. But I'm not gonna receive anything and make a home with something. I'm gonna resist it until, the, until I go home. Because your word says I'm gonna live in peace. So it doesn't mean I'm not gonna do the things I need to do naturally, but I'm also not just gonna be like, yep, this is who I am. I'm really anxious. Okay, great. Let's battle anxiety. Let's figure out, let's get some practical natural tools. Let's, let's fight in the spirit. And, and let's go, let's, let's advance forward in that, right? So, but for me, anxiety is often an indicator light. Like I said, I was in the conversation, I started to feel anxiety. Even as a church, this is what it looks like. Our calendar this year was super full and it was really exciting. It's things that we've always done. And for whatever reason, I was anxious about it. I was like, I just can't get excited about the calendar. So you know what it tells me? Oh, this is an, this is an indicator light, just like on your car. Uh, hey, 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 hey. And if we just go, oh, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. I'm just gonna live this way. And the Holy Spirit's like, hey, 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 come back here. I actually wanna give you peace. But you gotta stop and be like, hey, what's going on with the car? Why did the indicator light go off right here in the middle of this conversation? Why does the indicator light go off when I went, I, you know, you're gonna spend that money or you bought something or whatever it is. For me, that's how it works. So we looked at our account. We had a youth conference planning. I mean, who doesn't want to minister to youth? This is like the call of God in our life. We had an amazing women's conference plan. I had a speaker already asked, and, but I couldn't get on it, bored. <laughs> and I'm telling ourselves, I'm sorry. Like, let's pray. Let's just really pray. As soon as I made the decision that we weren't going to do it, guess what happened? Peace. 
So it's not doing things how I used to do them. Just because we always do a youth conference, we got to just keep doing it. But we want to stay sensitive. How do we flourish? We're sensitive to the Holy Spirit. You know, it, actually, the second we made the decision, everybody in the room was like, this is kind of exciting. You know why? Because we're not just going through the, the routine, the mundane. Okay, that's what we always do. Okay, you know, get the speaker, get the hospitality, get the list. And we're not just doing, it made us seek God. We're like, well, if we're not doing youth conference, then what the heck are we doing with our lives, you know? And so we, we came up with this idea about ministering to youth pastors. And people are like tearing up, like this is the most beautiful thing. This is who we are. We, we feel called to do this more than ever. Pastors have wanted to quit this year. What if we could strengthen the pastors? We could really strengthen youth. And all of a sudden, life came back to, to our team. And so it's like, okay. So I'm just trying to give like, this is a church example. This is a home example. This is a life example. So it, a lack of peace is more of an indicator light for me than, than just accepting what's going on in my life. I'm like looking, what are the things that are happening? Sometimes it's like, you know what? I'm going through a lot. Okay, great. I'm going to pray and I'm going to, I'm going to get through this on the other side. I'm going to figure this out. We're not giving up, but we're just enduring and hanging on to Jesus, right? So the, Matthew says this, blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called sons of God. And the Greek word, it means to actually make peace, to cultivate and to keep peace. And another way in my life that I've had to learn to keep my heart peaceful is having hard conversations. Because for me, everything is, if the relationships in my life are fine, I'm fine. But as soon as there's something going on, like my whole life is not fine. Because I have this one thing over here that's a problem. So really like, God, what does it mean to be a peacemaker? How do I cultivate peace? It doesn't mean that I just walk away. It doesn't mean that I shut down, but it means that I'm gonna figure this out. I'm gonna be a covenantal person and I'm gonna work through some things until we have peace. I'm just not gonna let it go. And that is recognize that. So we wanna be around people who know us, right? People who are like, hey, you are not yourself right now. Pull yourself together. I'm going to pray with you. And we want to, so let's go through those three things again. The first thing we want to do, cultivate the soil of our heart. We want to keep our heart pliable. The second thing we want to do is keep our heart pure. The, the last thing we want to do is keep our heart peaceful. Anybody in the same boat that me, you're like, that is like a really tall order. <laughs> oh, we, we, need, we need the Holy Spirit. This isn't a self-help. Let's just muster our hearts healthy. This is us recognizing, God, these are the things that healthy people look like. And I believe in the faithfulness of God that you can do this in my life. I believe you can do that. So I want to talk about the last, just hit on the last piece of soil while the worship team's coming. Aren't these guys great? You guys are cultivating the presence of the Lord. I love it. It says this, but the seed planted in the good earth represents, this is, we can just, this is all of us, okay? Just, this is where I come in. Those who hear the word, those who embrace it, and those who produce a harvest beyond their wildest dreams. How many of you, we want to produce a harvest beyond our wildest dreams? Like whatever we're doing, we want to produce a harvest beyond our wildest dreams. I love you guys, our City Harvest Church. I believe God wants to produce a harvest through this house beyond your wildest dreams, beyond what you can imagine or draw up. And I believe some of this is us coming together, right? So what is hearing God's word? To me, it's the habits. I'm going to put myself in the word of God because the word is good. The seed is good. So I'm going to get really practical. Do you read your Bible every day? Do you have a Bible reading program? Like I'm just going to set myself in the word of God and I'm going to believe that it has the power to do the work. When you come on the weekend, expect God to speak to you. You know, even for me, like when I'm feeling fearful, I'll put scripture in my ears and go to sleep because I'm like, God, your word is more powerful than what I'm feeling and what I'm facing. So believing that his word is true, right? So I'm going to expose myself to his word, cling to it. To me, that's action steps. We're not just going to be hearers, right? The Bible says, the wise man built his house. Remember that song? How many of you have been in Sunday school? Want to sing it together? The wise man built his house. Tell your neighbor if they don't know it, don't feel left out. Wise. Oh, and the rains. Come on, people. Oh, yeah. The rains came down rains came down not on the song set is it the house on the rock stood fast and flourished right and it says this is true of those who not only hear my word but they do it, right? And so we want to create a habit of God. I don't want to just hear your word. I don't want to get to the end of my life and be like, hey, I have so many scriptures memorized. 
But I want them to be living out of my life. I want them to be affecting every decision. When I go to make a decision, the word of God's like popping up going, oh, remember? Remember this? The word of God is ruling my life because the power is in the word of God. So I'm clinging to it. I'm making action steps. So when I'm reading my Bible, I'm saying, okay, when you leave today, you're going to be like, okay, God, what can I do to embrace the word that was spoken? Is there something, a question we should ask ourselves in every in a service like this, we're going to do it just right now in a minute. Holy Spirit, what are you saying? Right? So it's, this is not what, oh, we got to go make this happen. But we're asking the Holy Spirit, is there something that I can do to take a next step? And for me in my life, that is where growth happens. When I have to step out of my comfort zone, it might be repenting to someone. It might be giving someone something. I don't know, but there's an action step. And when I do that, something is broken over my life. When I respond to the Holy Spirit and I'm expecting he's going to speak and then I'm writing out an action step. And then the last part says this, and patiently produce a huge harvest. You know what that says to me? Don't quit. Just don't quit. Just keep showing up. Just keep believing. And Luke 18, it says it this way, stick with it until there is a harvest. So just don't quit. You're like, okay, my heart is hard. <laughs> I'm all the things. Like sometimes we can feel that way, right? But it's like, I'm just not going to quit. And I'm going to believe that God is more powerful than my circumstance. I'm going to believe that his word is true. I heard someone say this week, they're like, positive thinking is better than negative thinking, but it's not the word of God. And if we just come at our situations with like, hey, I'm going to overcome, I'm going to come out of this. Like, well, it's better than saying, I'm going to die. We're all going to die. You know. But the word of God is powerful. So if it's powerful, then I'm going to memorize it. I'm going to pull it out and I'm going to use it to speak over the situations in my life until it becomes a reality. So it's going to rule and reign in my life, right? And I love this. I want to just end on this. You guys can like, I don't know, make, like play something like really... I don't know. They, do they do a great job? <laughs> I can't read this till they're playing. No, just kidding. All right. <laughs> you don't want me to sing, so you already heard that, that wise man. Job 14 says this. I can't help but think that some of us in the room feel like God, I, want, I, I know what it felt like at some point to be flourishing. And maybe you find yourself today like, God, I, I want to be vibrant again. And I believe that the Holy Spirit would send me today because there's people on the other side of your story. There's people in your life that are crying out to God and are needing something fresh. They're needing a touch from heaven. And I believe that God wants to restore some things that have just, sometimes just life. You know, sometimes we just go through life and we're like, wow, I don't even know how I got here. I don't know how I'm in this place. And it's maybe you didn't do anything, but you're just like, God, I, I just need a fresh outpouring of your spirit today. And, and I'm telling you, there's something I believe even through your church that God's gonna begin to connect you with unsaved people in a fresh way, that there's someone that you're working with, there's people that you're around, that as you even begin to tell your story, as you begin to tell, I, I, when I was praying, even coming into this weekend, I felt like there are testimonies and stories in this room. Here's an action step that if you'll be faithful to write them down and begin to tell them, even to where it annoys the heck out of the people around you, what did God set you free from? What did God bring you through? And I believe the more in tune you are with those stories, the more God's going to send people into your door. And as soon as someone comes in, you're going to be like, hey, you went through that. Oh, let me introduce you to Sarah. I, she went through this. And I know you feel like you're not going to make it through, but I want to pair you up with her. She's going to pray with you that God wants to use the pain and the stories of our life to help other people know, you know what? You're going to make it. You don't have to quit. You can flourish. Even no matter what you've gone through, you can flourish in every season. And we're not comparing ourselves, right, to another season. Because we do that, right? We're like, must be nice over there. And we're in the winter season, but we're going to pair up with people and we're going to allow God to strengthen us. We're going to allow his Holy Spirit to come and meet with us again. And I want to read this scripture. It says um, in Job, it says, for there is hope for a tree. If it be cut down, that it will sprout again, that its shoots will not cease. Though its roots grow old in the earth and its stumps dies in the soil, yet at the scent of water, it will bud and put out branches like a young plant. And I just believe like just in this moment that the Holy Spirit wants to come and just bring a refreshing, reviving, outpouring of his spirit in places that have felt dry. It felt like, I know what it's like to flourish, but right now I'm not really there. And I, I just, can we just give the Holy Spirit a moment to even just to respond to the word? So 
Can you want to just stand with me right where you are? Thank you, Lord. God, we, we come before you as your church today, God, and we are so thankful for your word. We're so thankful for the power of your word, God, that, that you would bring the seed of your word into our life. Even today, God, the word that was spoken. Holy Spirit, we invite you. Can you just take a minute and I just invite the Holy Spirit to speak to you? He's the loudest voice in the room. Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you speak to us? Holy Spirit, would you highlight what you want to highlight? Just in this moment, let us hear your voice, Holy Spirit. Would you show us, God, what you want to do in our hearts? God, would you show us areas that, maybe even things that have caused our heart to, to grow weary, to grow hard, or, or to, to the dis, maybe it's disappointment, God, that you want to highlight right now, that you want to heal, because you want us to flourish, and you want us to reach the other side. God, you want us to reach the end flourishing, God, because there's people, God, on the other side of our story. There's people on the other side of our victory. And so, God, I pray today for your church right here in this place. God, I pray for a strength of the Holy Spirit to come and to fill your bride. God, to fill them today with the strength and the empowerment that can only come from you. God, I thank you that you are healing us. God, I thank you that you are mending us. God, I thank you for those that feel dry and hard today. God, that the power of your word would till up the soil of our heart. God, that you would come and that you would invite us into a place of intimacy and a fresh place with you. God, I thank you. We pray together today, God, for the people on the other side of these stories. God, I see this place, Vancouver, filled with broken homes and broken lives. God, who are looking to you. God, those that are bound in anxiety and God, those who feel like they don't want to live another day. But God, I pray that out of this church would rise up a sound of sons and daughters, God, that have brought the brokenness to the throne of heaven. God, that the anointing and the grace and the joy and the strength of Jesus would flow out of this place. God, I thank you for the story of Jesus that you're writing in all of our lives. God, I thank you that when people look at our lives, that they'll see Jesus, that they'll see hope, that they'll see a fresh strength and a fresh anointing. God, that it'll speak hope into their own life. God, I thank you uh, today that you heal disappointment in the room. God, I thank you for those who, even today, God, who have children that are far from you. God, I thank you. We join our faith and our prayers with them today. God, I thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit. God, you go after, you go after, you rescue. God, I thank you for the prayers of moms and dads in the house. God, that have prayed and said, God, let them come. Let our children come home. And God, we declare and we prophesy that, God, over the children represented in this household, that they will serve you, God, that they will fulfill the purpose of God. God, I thank you that all that you want to do in and through this house. God, we want to be ready for it. God, I thank you. Every single person's story in this room is a piece of the story that you're writing, of the goodness of God. And so, God, I thank you for your faithfulness. I thank you for your word right now, that it is true in our lives. Thank you, Jesus. God, I pray uh, for those that even this morning are battling anxiety. God, we thank you. Peace be still. God, we thank you that you went around healing those who were oppressed of the enemy. God, you did good. God, I thank you that you stopped the middle of what you were doing and you came to the one who was, who was being tormented. And so God, today, we just thank you for the peace and the presence of God. Lord, I thank you that anyone in the room that's being tormented, God, for even just demonically tormented, when they lay down and sleep at night, the lies that the enemy are speaking, I pray that today, clarity would come to mind. God, where the enemy has tormented and kept people in bondage, that even today, they would be like, nope, that's not true. God, I pray for a clarity of your word today to come and sever those lies of the enemy. God, I thank you that your church and your bride is bringing the peace of God, bringing the presence of God, bringing the joy joy of God. Lord, teach us how to dig into the well of your spirit, God, and to pour it out in the dry places in our own life, but in the dry places in the city, in the region, God, that you want to build us up in. God, I pray your blessing on your church today. I pray your strength upon her. God, I thank you for community being built and knit at a deeper level. God, I thank you for those in the room that are even longing for friendships and, and, and partners in this. God, I thank you that you're developing friendships, that you're showing us and knitting us with people, God, who have what we need. When we're struggling, they're going to be the strength that we need. So God, I just pray your blessing. You know, right here, maybe you came, why, why, you guys can just keep your eyes closed just for a minute, but maybe you came into the room and you're like, I don't know how I got here. Maybe you've never even heard about Jesus or 
seeing these people worshiping and loving God, but maybe you came in and you've never made Jesus your personal Lord and Savior, but today you're like, I don't know, I, I'm here, but I don't know why God brought me here, but I wanna make Jesus my Lord and Savior. If you're in the room, I don't wanna get off the stage without praying specifically for you, that Jesus wants to come and make his home on the inside of your life. He wants to bring you out of darkness and into light. So if there's someone in the room today, if you're in the room and you have never given your life to Jesus, or maybe you've been away from the Lord for a long time and today you're like, I am coming home to the Father. I just wanna pray specifically with you as Peter comes. Um, if you're in the room, will you just, will you just right where you are, let's all bow our heads and close our eyes, give them just a little bit of privacy. If you're in the room and you've never given your life to Jesus or you respond to what I'm saying, will you just lift your hand right where you are so I can see who I'm praying with? If there's anyone in the room that needs to give their life to Jesus, make him Lord and Savior. I wanna make sure I don't miss anybody. God, I thank you for salvation coming to homes. Thank you, Lord. Those that are far from you coming back to you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Peter, thank you. Can we tell Kara thank you?